HR professionals, business owners, and operations at all levels are struggling to figure out what needs to change. Our system has been shocked, practices have been questioned, and conversations are finally happening. We all know there has been a huge shift in what people want. Inclusion and diversity are common phrases, but often misunderstood. Generations are coming together more than ever on what's important. Mental health has been brought to the forefront of everyone's mind. Let's humanize these conversations. Let's talk about what's important for employees to be successful in life and at their job, and how companies can create an environment to allow them to do both. Because successful people will make up a successful workforce. I'm Leanne Lovely. Let's get this conversation started. I have one badass guest today, Erin uh, Marcus. She is a speaker. She is the founder and CEO of Conquer Your Business. She helps entrepreneurs and small business owners get the financial and emotional freedom they need to build a business and a life they are proud of by learning how to be in charge and take action and get results. She has been mentoring, training, and teaching and coaching for more than 20 years. She loves helping people take action they didn't think possible, do things they didn't think they could do, and succeed beyond what they dared to dream. I'm so excited um, you know, for this conversation. Um, she's just an amazing woman. I've seen her speak. Um, she is hilarious. She is brilliant. And uh, yeah, let's, without further ado, let's uh, get this conversation started. Welcome, Erin. I am so excited to have you here as we start with round two on the beginning of this as we're having a little audio problem here. Um, but again, I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Um, I've seen you speak and you are one badass um, business owner and yeah, welcome. So excited to be here. All good on the technology front. It, this is just how we live now. It's perfectly fine. So why don't you, uh, why don't you give us a little introduction um, of yourself? Sure. Awesome. So the short answer for the relevant for your audience, right? So I had a big fancy corporate career. I absolutely loved it. I was very lucky in two different places to have amazing mentors and amazing opportunities. Um, C-suite level in a extremely large insurance brokerage firm and got to the point in my just career where I felt like I needed to do something that was mine. So after trying to pay all the other people on my team to go tell our boss I was leaving because it was just so monumentally upsetting to me at the time, I finally left there to um, and went into the franchise world. I talk about I probably couldn't be doing what I'm doing now. One, I needed to learn more things, but also I didn't make a full leap. I went into a franchise system, which is a system, right? Um, instead of creating my own thing, I had my franchise for six years. I got to the top 10 out of 200 offices in about 18 months. And the franchise owner would then ask me to train new franchise owners, speak at their meetings, speak at their conventions. I did a lot of um, marketing and processes that I would just give to the home office to distribute to the rest of the system because my background was business. My background was business. And I was at a C-suite level in corporate. Half my job there was helping our accounts develop their business. Then when I got into the franchise, I found that I loved helping the system build the business even more than I loved what we were doing. Mm -hmm. So finally, after playing in that world for 20 years, I just took it on completely and started Conquer Your Business, where what we really focus on now is my favorite thing to do. <laughs> it only took me 20 plus years, but my favorite thing to do, which is to help driven entrepreneurs create the scale and branding strategies they need to get to that multiple six-figure, seven-figure business. That's so awesome. That's awesome. And you know, it, it nothing ever starts in a day. Um, no. We find our way over time and it's, you know, so I mean, that's, that's brilliant. And who wouldn't want to hire somebody who's followed that, you know, success path and able to help, especially new entrepreneurs who are trying to really blindly find their way. And I, 
Yeah. And I think truthfully, that's one of my differentiators is I hate and I have a I had a really hard time calling myself a coach because there were way too many coaches out there who I felt had never done what they're trying to teach. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to throw my hat in that ring. A little judgy of me. And it's it's not like they, they come from a really good place of wanting to help people. It's not a malicious intent, but there's a disconnect. And at the same time, truthfully, three quarters of what I do is consulting. I'm like, dude, this is what you got to do. That's consulting, not coaching. The coaching part comes in when we hit a terror barrier, where we, when we hit imposter syndrome, the coaching part of my business comes in when we put together a plan that consciously the business owner wants, but subconsciously we've got to break through some fears in order to do it. Mm-hmm. And to me that, oh my God, like that is the magic. The plan's not hard for me. Like I can't help but do it. I see people's businesses and my brain just goes rearranging their ducks and putting a different umbrella over it. I can't not do that. But the plan doesn't matter if the person can't do the plan. Mm -hmm. So the amazing, amazing experiences I get to have is when I work with someone on a conscious level, the business planning and all the cool things. And then they go and they make their breakthroughs and make it happen for themselves. And that's is, ha- that's half the battle, right? I mean, oh. we we as people understand, you know, on paper what needs to happen, but often getting there emotionally and mentally, and I and I specifically say emotionally because our decisions are are driven on an emotional level most of the we, time. Every every single every single decision we made, every single decision we make is based on emotion and then justified with logic. One of the things I do teach is sales. And I laugh all the time about every single decision, buying decisions especially, they're made with emotion and then justified with logic. And one of the examples I use is my car. I have a Mini Cooper. It has a turbo engine. It has lights inside. I can change colors. Not like two options, like seven options, like every color of the rainbow. It has a sunroof. That's the entire, like, width length of the car. Mm -hmm. Where am I going in the Chicago suburbs that I need a turbo engine? Where am I going that even if I wanted to, I could use a turbo engine? Though, between you and me, like... This thing does a hundred miles an hour. Like sixty. I'm not. I'm not sure you understand the concept of a podcast. This is not just between you and me. But like, but that is, those are all emotional decisions, right? right? And then I justify it with logic by saying I got a great deal on it. It gets great gas mileage. Right. I can park that sucker anywhere because it's like the size of a purse, right? right. I got all sorts of logical. Mm-hmm reasons I can justify having a bright blue car that drives more like a jet right? Right. and changes colors. Right. right. It, it's the same, you know, I'm going to go on a diet, but then, you know, three days in, I'm going to have a cookie and I can justify that, you know, emotionally, I just really want this cookie because it tastes good. It makes me feel good. It gives, you and know. And we're addicted to it. We're right. hab- our ruts have us in a, right? And, our habits have us in a rut and it's so hard to break out of those ruts. And logically, I'm going to, I'm going to be able to justify this because I did really good for the last three days. That, right. I mean, that is what we as humans do. It's just how it works. The way that I describe that for people is. Give yourself a break, but don't let yourself off the hook. Like, give yourself a break in these types of situations, whether you're on a diet, whether you're trying to go to the gym, whether you're trying to not be a jerk to your spouse who you know is doesn't, you know, on the receiving end of a bad day of you, like, whether you're trying to grow your business and you're not doing the thing that you know you need to do, give yourself a break because what you're up against is neuroscience mm-hmm. and X amount of years of subconscious programming. Mm-hmm. However, don't let yourself off the hook because that doesn't mean you shouldn't do something about it. Absolutely. And, and I think that especially, and, and, I, and I don't want to 
Well, no, I do. I'm going to because <laughs> here we go. Right. <laughs> it's like very much in the older generation um, because they were not as younger kids taught emotional intelligence. Right. So they have this 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 is the way it is black and white i don't allow emotions to come in they hold themselves to a very hard standard black and white this is it younger generation they're lucky they're being taught emotional intelligence they're being taught yes it's okay to feel this way or that way but and as you know obviously i'm teaching my daughter from a young age emotional intelligence it's okay to be mad about it it's not okay to do xyz Correct. You still need to do whatever. Right. And I think that's where we've seen the pendulum swing a little bit too far where I, you know, I know my truth has become an excuse for being a jerk. And right. those are two different things. Totally different things. Right. Mm-hmm. You f- should feel your feelings. You don't have a right to infringe upon mine right Mm -hmm. and it's just a pendulum I mean it really is and we all figure out how to succeed and maneuver if it's important enough to us and and I don't get I I laugh because if you watch any of the online jokes and headlines and things about what one generation says about the next you can go back 50 years oh, yeah. and it's verbatim. Mm-hmm. It's the exa- So this is just the process. Like this is, I don't know, we need something to talk about. So we make up and, and our brains have a negative bias mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. in general. That's how brains work. Its job is to keep you alive. So it looks out for risks. It takes everything as a negative. That's its job. So our brains have this negative bias to interpret things as negative. Um, And we've got to fill 24-hour news and we've got to fill 8 million channels and we've got to meet the, you know, and then you layer on top of that. We've got to meet the um, financial requirements of advertising-run platforms. Right. And it just is what it is. Well, and it's and it's funny that you you know, talk about the you know generations and and how it goes because I have people all the time ask me they're like, well, isn't it the worst it's ever been? Isn't no, it's is the it... exact same. And that's what I said, <laughs> you know. And and I'm just out to dinner, you know, with a girlfriend of mine, and and you know, this we were at a at a like a bar restaurant thing, and we happened to be sitting up at the bar, and this gentleman who was. I believe he was slightly intoxicated, intruding in on our conversation, which is absolutely fine. I don't care. I'm one of those social people. You're at a bar. What did you think was going to happen? Right. And he made the comment. He's like, well, the world is the worst it's ever been. I said, no, it's not. I said, it's just different than what you know from when you were younger. The difference is we all now are immersed in it. The pervasiveness of being surrounded by the negativity mm-hmm. is worse than it's ever been and the, because of the platforms. Correct. The actions that are happening, same actions. Right. But the immersion in the negative messaging, like we didn't used to know all this stuff was right. happening. We only knew our little world. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so what you're watching is a mixture of being aware of everybody's negative experiences and not enough positive experiences to counter it because it's just not what people cover but the other thing that's happening is you're losing community Mm -hmm. right you're losing sense of community and the nuclear family which used to support people through this right but there's also positives that are happening and there's all there's always a balance. The unfortunate thing is that in the news you only hear the negative. Right. The things that are happening that are positive are we're we're seeing an actual like a light coming on EQ and yeah. we're also seeing awareness on things like neurodiversity and yes. mental health and all of these, you know, and, and addiction, drug addiction, and all of, not just drug, any addiction, all yeah. of these things are now becoming, you know, not becoming, less stigmatized, less, less stigmatized and people are, are starting to understand that these are not simply, you know, this guy doesn't simply just go out and get drunk every night because he chooses to want to be drunk. 
it right, is actually our right our education around the whys of all of it why right. is this happen how does it happen why does it happen how does it happen has it just increased dramatically and are the same platforms that immerse us in all this negative are the same platforms that share the information mm-hmm. that allows solutions as well mm-hmm. and and the trick is really like is to be selective and to be careful i know for me i'm not a negative person i don't usually feel bad i don't usually feel scared i don't usually feel angry on a regular basis Mm -hmm. so i know if i'm starting to feel those feelings as default i gotta step away from it right i have to step away from it because again It's just the way our brains work. Mm -hmm. When you are completely immersed and surrounded by a certain type of message, you might start out not believing it, but you will start to believe it. Right. Just because that's how it works. Yep. I I completely agree with that. I knew at a young age that if I watched tearjerker movies, that- I was sad all the time. Right. right. They, They affected me for- for days sometimes and I'm like I can't watch I can't watch this stuff because for whatever reason it just that and that could be my brain chemistry of that stuff brings me down I started um I got my MBA when I was 37 I was still in my corporate job and getting an MBA at the same time so I was like busy (laughs) like busy and it was hard it was hard and so There was a lot of books and studying and my role in corporate was not like a nine to five punch in punch out situation. So around that time, I noticed I only watched for entertainment, lowbrow, non-emotional, like Right. right? That never went away. I never went back to heavy drama. Yep. I don't watch heavy drama. I don't want the anxiety of the cliffhangers. Now, senseless violence, totally for it. (laughs) Marvel, right? Right. Totally for it. I'm I'm a complete horror, like B movie horror buff. Like (laughs) just completely, you know, the movie ends, everybody died, and I walk away and I'm like, yay, that was so entertaining. Like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? (laughs) Yeah, like I have moved to I don't watch any um I'm totally all over Marvel, NCIS, those type of stuff. I'm not and it's not like those don't have anxiety situations, but what I won't do is watch anything that the basis of the um, entertainment is people being mean to people mm-hmm. for entertainment's sake. So a lot of right. the reality TV, I just why I, are we glamorizing being a jerk to other right, humans? Right. Like right. if we're good and evil is different than just being a jerk to other humans. Right. So I I, I don't do know how we got here. <laughs> I know neither do I so I I know I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of switch gears switch Let's... gears here because we could just rant about every, you know all of the stuff for the next two hours so I do so, have you know with your background um yeah. you know I I wanted to kind of refocus here um and and I think this is a brilliant question for somebody with your background. Um, you know, we, and we kind of touched on this um, when we were talking um, previously, but I am of the belief, and, and actually it's not really a belief, I, I believe that this is a fact. Um, entrepreneurs um, have an internal battle when they become entrepreneurs, right? They're it's the sales production, sales production. Entrepreneurs don't become entrepreneurs to become salespeople, yet in order to become a an entrepreneur, you have to do sales. We yeah. agree on this. Um, however, there's also an external battle that happens at businesses. You have your production and you have your sales. Mm-hmm. They often, very much like the internal battle of an entrepreneur, there happens to be often a external battle that is happening at those companies of production and sales. And what I would love to learn from you today because you have done this created awesome teams that work cohesively together and this plays a great deal into being able to retain employees on both sides absolutely and i would love to hear your take and how how you're able to marry those together in order to 
create those teams because so, it's a problem. It's a problem. And I'll tell you what, the fact that we just had this random conversation isn't so random because what you're seeing out just in the United States and culture in general is mirrored in companies. There's only one way to solve this problem. It's what is the culture of your company? This is a cultural problem, meaning is the culture of your company one that allows outrage, which by the way, worst, like this to me, as I pontificate about my opinions, because we know I have them. This is the problem right now. People's default emotion is outrage, Mm -hmm. which inherently removes any opportunity for empathy, any opportunity for learning about another opinion, any opportunity like outrage. Everybody is outraged over everybody else's behavior. There's no middle ground. There's no conversation. Everyone else is wrong. Outrage. Um, you're doing this to me on purpose, right? Those are the feelings we have when we are outraged. And in within a company, if you allow that culture in your walls, you're screwed. You are creating an us versus them mentality in your company, department versus department. Mm-hmm. Who wants to be in that environment? Now, here's the thing. The difference is, and I'll just go use my background as an example, because this was my job. We used to call what, like, I was a one-person department. I was a one-person department. I was, I finally got an assistant, and then I got a second person. It was very exciting. But I, you know, 70 people in the company, and here's me in my department. What did I do? I managed the gap. I managed the gap. My job was, yes, to go out and create relationships, but I wasn't the only one doing it. The senior partners in the in the business would do what we would call a sales conversation, meaning the first touch point of do we want to work together? And then they would say, okay, well, Aaron knows how this actually works. And then I would come in and figure out how do we actually make it go? How do we get them to sign on the dotted line? How do we close the deal and implement it? Mm -hmm. And if we were going to close the deal and implement it, what I had to do was get the operations desk on in line with it, our sales team support in line with it, the commission people, the people who paid the bills and paid all these different people. Everyone had to be pointing in the same direction Mm -hmm. or it didn't work because we worked in opposition to each other. And when you work in opposition to each other, you lose business. Right. And so the truth of the matter is whether you're talking about a government or you're talking about an entrepreneur or you're talking about a large business, culture starts at the top period, hard stop, end of story, culture starts at the top. Mm -hmm. And if you have a culture that allows this department to blame that department, that's it. Like, this is going to be the, like, I feel like the dumbest way to answer this question. Don't do that. Right. Right. Just don't do that. You know, I feel like some of the most complicated questions have the simplest answers. Yeah. Stop doing that. Mm -hmm. And here, so, and you know, it's one of those things that's easier to say than do. So why? Why is it easier to say than do? I, to me, there's two parts to that. Number one, people's brains work differently. Mm -hmm. So the brain function of someone in IT and the way that someone thinks who's in a process oriented part of your business where they like process paperwork, process applications. That was our business. Or maybe they're on the line, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe they're in manufacturing and they're on the line, they're on the floor. And the sales team and marketing team, these people think very differently from each other. Mm -hmm. Their personalities are usually 
very different from each other. Right. You have to intentionally bring them together. Left to their own devices, they will not agree with each other. Because for no other reason than their brains work differently. Right. So if you have to be very intentional, intentional, new word, intentional about creating opportunities for them to understand each other, for them to appreciate each other. Truthfully, and this is coming from a salesperson, we're arrogant jerks. <laughs> we walk in there with like, dude, if I didn't just close this deal, none of you would have jobs. Like, that's not helping. Right. And at the same time, if the people who fulfill the work hate the salespeople, well, that's not helpful because the salesperson just, you know, the extrovert salesperson just went and made happy and made promises. Mm -hmm. And now the team fulfilling those promises is us against that. Like, it just, it doesn't work. Right. It doesn't work. So you have to understand that just from a personality profile, way our brains work, we're going to be different. And then the other thing I think that contributes to the problem is the fact that internally in a large company, this is hard to do. If you really think about it, it's a competitive environment mm -hmm. because the concept of abundance doesn't fit in the corporate mold because in the entrepreneurial world, we say it's not a pie. There's enough for everybody. But it, within a large company, that's not actually true. There's a finite number of finite amount of money. How much is each department getting? This pits them against each other instead of collaborating on a team. Mm -hmm. If there's seven people on a team and there's an opening for a promotion, only one person gets it. So now you're asking seven people to be a cohesive team when maybe three of them want that promotion. How right, does, right. like, you're asking a lot of people. So it's inherently competitive where even if we do all like each other and support each other underneath, we know if you get a piece, a bigger piece of the pie, I get less. Like how many times do you see in, in corporate where, okay, the bucket of money for raises this year is $10,000. Go divide it up amongst your team. One person gets more, one person gets less. You want to add in now the people doing the same job aren't getting paid the same amount of money mm -hmm. or at least not getting paid based on experience. They're getting like, there's so much that goes into creating a scarcity mentality, a competitive, unfair feeling, and now add in the people in different departments think and work differently than each other. I mean, listening to me go on and on and on it's amazing anything that gets done right like it's, <laughs> we should be maybe we should just be very proud of ourselves for accomplishing anything instead of disappointed that sometimes it's hard right it's and it's amazing to hear you break all that down because you know i've been told that i'm not very good at playing the corporate game um i suck at the corporate game right. but i did very well in corporate you know how to play the corporate game just do a really good job right all right i i i've I, my and i always default to my dad because my dad is always the sound of reason for me and and he, I, I, every time i would get like upset or i would go and i would talk to him before i talked to anybody else because if i didn't i would say something really really stupid to my boss because I would be like all riled up and I'd be like, oh, and my dad would go, you did not say that to your boss, right? Oh, I could oh, tell you stories. <laughs> I know. I, you know, and you get dreaming to... matches where the rest of the office just had their best. <laughs> and I, my boss and I, I mean, we still can, a very close relationship. And you get to a certain level in which you can start saying certain things to your boss as, as long as it's not in front of somebody else. But you get, you get to that certain <laughs> point, right? Um, but there is that there there is that corporate there's the politics that go along with how could there not be there's humans right along with all of the other crap that you have to try to balance out with your you know coworkers with getting your work done with you know the possibility and I've I've had this said you you and I have this you know again we talk I've I've 
been told as a salesperson at a company outright by the team who's supposed to be fulfilling what I bring in that they, you know, well, I hate salespeople. Well, so, well, and here's the other thing. Okay. So let's add to that. Let's add to the subconscious programming that every person in that department has against salespeople Mm -hmm. because every cartoon that they've watched, every movie that they've seen has a very, very negative story about sales. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't they hate you? They have no reason not to. Right. Unless the top very, very intentionally while they are managing all the other things that they have to take care of does something about it. Right. Reconditions, re, you know, gets everybody's mindset and reminds them that sales is not the enemy. They are the ones bringing in the orders. But that makes that makes it sound like the salespeople are that much more arrogant. <laughs> right. Exactly. And they are. I was. Oh, my God. Come on. Like, well, and here's the thing. Even if we don't mean it that way, the exuberance of closing a deal, a big, big, big deal, can absolutely be interpreted by others as arrogance. Mm-hmm. Again, we're going back to different brain, di- different functions, right? Different, different workings, different See, opinions. And here's the strange thing: if you asked me today, Leanne, what was the biggest deal you've ever closed? I can't tell you. Oh, because, I can tell you. <laughs> so I, I can't tell you because my brain, by the time I hit the, they just signed, sealed, you were and done. I was I was often going, um, okay, you guys take care of this. I'll maintain the relationship with the client, but I don't really care about that. I just want to get the next sale because I truly that was, that's a very true salesperson. I truly did not care about and I hate that question. People ask me, what is the biggest deal you've ever done? Well, um, I mean I could sit here and think about it. It was I, I negotiated a national contract with, you know, a large company. It was na- but I can't even tell you the details anymore because I was I was already done. I, I signed it. We and that's a it. very, you know, and going back to the idea of culture and it's, you know, is there a culture of mutual respect? Is there a culture of openness? Is there going back to this idea of outrage? You None of this works if outrage has any space in your business. And um, in my company that I was in, we hired another salesperson. I was more of an account manager, relationship manager than a cold salesperson. I did some of that. He was way better at it than I did. So we adjusted what we we're doing. And he was a true salesperson. He honestly didn't care if you said yes or no, just don't waste his time so he could move on. And that's right? the way like, I am. Boom, boom. It was, I used to, I was like a pinball. Boom, 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 boom. But we liked each other and we respected each other. And I understood his personality and he understood mine. And I, like I said, I my primary role was to manage the gap, meaning it was my job, truthfully, to protect the rest of the team from him. But he knew that and they knew that, mm-hmm. which meant, which mean we were all fine. There was no judging it was just, this is who each individual is. This is, and so when things would get out of hand, one of the team would come to me and like, eh. and I'm like, and I would just go up to him and like, dude, you're killing me. Mm-hmm. Rain it in. And, and, I, and, and it's, you would for a short period of time. <laughs> Big deal. Like, and, and it's interesting too, because salespeople like that, they often, they don't see anything um, they don't see anything else. And that's the way I am. I don't, I don't care if you say yes or no. Until I know you, I don't have any skin in the game. Right. Like, just oh, give me an answer. Yeah. Respond to me and say, hey, I appreciate you reaching out. I'm not interested. Because then I won't waste my time reaching out to you anymore. Just give and me so many an people answer. Are, yeah, and the truth is so many people are so afraid of sales that they can't even fathom that. Right. They can't even fathom somebody who feels and thinks that way. So they literally just don't know what to do with it. Right. They, they're they afraid. So they don't respond. Well, if I respond, she's going to think that I'm interested. Don't. It's like my husband well, and even I. even your other team members. They're like, how could that crazy lady over there not care if somebody <laughs> liked her or not? Right. 
there is so much business to be had that right. I would rather just get the yes or the no and move on, right? One of the great one of the great um, sales training or sales pieces of advice that I ever got is the worst answer you could give me is maybe. Yes. Oh, because absolutely. it means I didn't do my job. It means I didn't do my job of connecting the dots for you, knowing that we were or were not a good fit, explaining our value, understanding your problems. Someone who says maybe or someone who's very ambivalent about your offer and your conversation means I didn't do my job. Right. Right. So you don't understand my offering. So you're, you're, and I didn't understand their problem. You right. know, I mean, it's it's very, and and I'll, I'm okay with the, yes, I'm interested, but call me in six months. Wait, let Perfect. me figure this out. I still have to sit with this a minute. That's totally, absolutely right. different. Again, different brains process differently. Not everyone makes a decision in a minute and a half. That's different than someone who walks away unsure. Yep. Of any of it. Yeah. So if a company is struggling with, you know, the, the whole team dynamic, what would you, what would be the, if you could, we used, yeah, we used to, it's culture. It's so how do you okay. build culture? How do you build culture? So Number one, you get to, right. You get to know people on a personal basis. The fact of the matter is nobody can really, really, really manage, I'm not talking like call center version, but nobody can really manage well more than five people. If you're really going to have an intimate culture, asking somebody to manage a team of 50 people without any additional layer of at least some, you know, they don't have to be promoted. They could just be in charge of their team. Because you can't get that many people together and have that deep conversation, right? So from the top down, is the culture one where we're all in this together? We're all moving in the same direction. Everybody's everybody's role is equally appreciated that we have zero, zero, zero tolerance for mistreatment of other team members. Right. Zero tolerance for mistreatment of other team members because every single person is respected for their contribution. Right. And and making sure that sales is, is not a, siloing themselves. Siloing anybody. Right. Like you this is not just how do you solve sales against the rest of the company. This is how you solve anybody against the rest of the like. What is that culture? And culture is not a once a year team building event. Because if you have a nice rubber chicken dinner at the banquet hall and the rest of the time, nobody intervenes when people are harassing people or being jerks to people, people aren't doing. Here's the other thing, like holding people to expectations of doing their job is positive for the culture. Mm -hmm. Because when people don't when you have team members who aren't doing their job and everyone knows they're not doing their job and nobody does anything about it you'll kill morale faster than anything else right why should i work so hard when that person gets the same promotions and accolades and benefits and doesn't do anything right yeah people will leave that company it's appreciate you know your biggest 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 asset are the humans in your business Mm mm-hmm Are you treating them as if each and every single one of them, are you treating them as if they're the biggest asset in your business? I'll give you a perfect. So before I went to the insurance company, I was in commercial real estate. I was in the marketing department of a international commercial real estate company. And I worked in the Chicago suburban office side of things, meaning um, big fancy office buildings in the suburbs of Chicago. And again, international company. And this was during the dot-com boom. So things were nuts. Money, money, money. The uh, the agents were making more as day traders than they were even making in their deals that they were doing. It was just a crazy, crazy, crazy environment. And there was a true story because I knew who it happened to. 
that a broker, a real estate broker, a really, really high-end agent in the New York office punched his administrative assistant. Oh, my God. Now, it was a male, not a female, which doesn't make it okay, but doesn't make it quite as terrifying. Right. That's a different level. Right. So it was a male agent and a male administrative assistant punched the guy. Because of the outrage over, I don't even remember, it was some kind of deal, some paperwork didn't get sent properly, and now someone had to go clean up the mess. And they got into an argument over who made the mistake, and the agent punched him. Jesus. And nothing happened. Because the agent brought in millions and millions and millions of dollars. My God. What do you think that does to morale? Mm -hmm. What do you think? Why are you surprised that everyone hates salespeople? Right. When it's okay for a salesperson to punch somebody right. because they're making money. And now all that's doing is reinforcing every negative impression that everyone else has of sales. Mm-hmm. It's culture. Culture solves these problems. Yeah. And if you're, if you know, the horrible truth about being a leader the horrible truth about being a leader is it's really, really easy to see if you're good at it or not. Just look around you. Are your people performing? Are your people getting along with each other? Are they committed to the business? That is a direct reflection of your leadership. And that's, excuse me, that is another shining um, thing that would be a whole nother episode. Do another, would but, you like to do another episode? <laughs> right. It's, We're going to rename this. Listen to Aaron rant about yet another topic. <laughs> it's it's the the mistake that that multiple companies make. I have a really awesome salesperson. I'm just going to promote him to be the sales manager. That's two different jobs, <laughs> right? Right. Oh God, I will tell you a lot. My ex husband, my ex husband is a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic salesman, and they have. And we're still in touch with each other. We've been divorced for I don't know. 20 years, but he's a wonderful man and he's a wonderful salesperson. <laughs> and his company has tried to promote him to sales manager in a variety of ways for decades. And we keep in touch. And I'm just constantly going, do they not know you? You don't like people. Like you don't have patience for anybody. Why are they trying? He's a fantastic salesman. He is so good at serving his clients, making sure they have what they need and going the extra mile. And he should not be in charge of a cat. (laughs) And I tease him about this all the time because he has no patience for people who don't do exactly what he does. And and that is completely true. Glenn, if you're listening to this, you know I'm telling the truth. <laughs> and and I've been in this same position. Leanne, we want you to mentor the other salespeople. We want them to do what you're doing. Most of we, and you can't tell them what you're doing because you do it so instinctively that you don't know how you're doing. What right. You're doing. Right. And then I'll I'll ask, you know, okay, well I I can explain to them, you know, the processes that I go through, but that, well, that's not going to make them become or do what I do. They're just. Well, and, and I think a lot of people need to realize that about themselves, because going back to the fact that I'm a business coach and consultant and the fact that I was extremely hesitant to use the label coach because I watched so many coaches, not for any malicious reason, but not be able like they can tell people what to do. They can't tell people how to do it. That's what I know how to do. You said that to me earlier. You're breaking it down. Like, I don't know why my brain works this way. My old mentor said, yeah, it's fantastic, but don't be so impressed with yourself. You didn't make this happen. Like, this is just how my brain works. If you're going to have a leader in charge of teaching people how to do stuff, they can't just know what has to happen. They have to be able to break it down and then apply it to different people. Mm Mm-hmm. Or it doesn't work. Right. Otherwise, right. it's just do this one thing within the entrepreneurial world, right? All those Insta tactics out there that don't work. Mm-hmm. And and I know, I mean, for me, I know exactly, like, I time block, like, exactly what I do, how I do it, 
But it doesn't mean that somebody else is going to be able to sit in my chair and follow that exact process and be successful at it. Odds are they can't because their brain works differently. Correct. So what's their version of it? Right. Well, we are we are coming to time. Um, <laughs> Go figure. Go figure. Right. I know. And just getting in the You and me stuff. talking. I know. What? All right. All right. So um, I have a question of the season. And um, it's I, I love this question because I get a variety of different answers. Um, and and it's obviously because everybody's in a different situation. But if you could change um, or what would you change rather about your job or the practice that people have in your role if you could? The thing that I don't like about what I do are the mood swings. Mm-hmm. I'm not a highly, I'm a high, I don't know if you know this, I'm a very high energy person, Mm -hmm. but I'm not a highly emotional person. I, the mood swings make me crazy. I don't care if something's hard. I don't expect everything. That's not what I mean. I don't, it's the entrepreneurial roller coaster of this is great. It's all falling apart. Like (laughs) I can't, I don't like it. It's not that I've learned that I have to be able to handle it, but I find it sucking my energy and knocking me off of my focus and throwing a wrench in my plans. I don't know. I can come up with a bunch more phrases, but that's what I don't like about it is the emotional. And that's really what I screwed up when I first left corporate and got into the entrepreneurial world because mm-hmm. I knew what to do. I knew what to do. I've grown businesses. I knew how to grow my business. I knew I knew what I knew that yeah. I knew I could do what I knew how to do for my clients. What I didn't expect was so much of my success being tied to who I was being, not what I was doing and what I was thinking about, not what I was doing. Wow. And somebody said to me not long ago, had I known what I know now, I would not have started my own business. 100%. So thank God I didn't know. And and that's exactly how they finished that line. Thank God I didn't know. Correct. Because who'd have to sign up for this? Right. And and as an early, as a very (laughs) new entrepreneur, I, I do not ask the question, well, what do I not know? Because- I want to continue down this path and figure it out for myself because I don't want to be scared away from it. And yeah. I'm already it's starting. For you. It's, it's too late. I, I'm, too I'm late. already in it. You're but, off the cliff. You're, you've jumped off the cliff. You are falling down the cliff. You can't get back on the <laughs> cliff. I mean, that's physically impossible. So. Where's my parachute? Yeah, that doesn't work either. <laughs> that's not how this works. Right. But and and that's and that's the beauty of it though is that you you can't know what you don't know and would we do things in life um if we knew all the information um well, and and often the answer is no because um and it's the same way that our brain works is that 10 years from now will you remember how painful it was in the beginning or are you going now to now I laugh about it. I could tell you stories for days. I used to get lost in my car in my neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> I used to in my first business, I would go and have consultations in people's homes. So I would use the GPS to get to their house because I had to know exactly where it was, but I kind of knew where I was, so I knew how to get home. Mm-hmm. And so I wouldn't use GPS to get home. And then I'd be driving and then all of a sudden I would which is terrifying by the way. All of a sudden I would be like, "Wait, where am, why am I here? Like I wasn't lost. I knew where I was, but I certainly wasn't where I thought I was going. (laughs) You used to like, just get lost. You're so deep in thought that you just, you know, yeah. Hey, I'm just driving. You know what? There was one day that, um, I was so deep in thought that I went the wrong way when I was trying to drop my daughter off somewhere. And I looked at her and I went, we're going to be late because mommy just went to the wrong place. And my daughter now reminds me, she's five. My daughter now reminds me, mommy, are you going to the right place? One of my favorite, favorite stories was of a mentor I had at the real estate business. And she tells a story of when 
car phones like when we first I call them car phones because that's what they were at the time yep because they were hooked to your car um when that first was a thing and she had it and her business partner had one and they were in this very heated conversation so she was driving home about a client she was driving home on autopilot and in this heated conversation and then she just kind of stopped talking went oh my god it wasn't she drove to the wrong house she drove to the house that she used to share with her ex-husband who is now remarried to another woman and she pulled into the driveway she was on such autopilot that she like went back eight years in her life and she went home just to the, not the current home. Right. And she tells a story of going, oh my God, I got to get out of here before they see me. Right. <laughs> well, Erin, this has been such an amazing conversation. If somebody wanted to reach out to you, how would they go about doing that? So the easiest way to do this is just find me through my website, conqueryourbusiness.com. If you go to conqueryourbusiness.com, you'll see my podcast. You'll be able to contact me. You'll find me on all the socials. One easy place to go, conqueryourbusiness.com. And that, of course, will be in the show notes. But again, Erin, thank you so much for your time. You are awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again for listening to Let's Talk HR. I appreciate your time and support. Without you, the audience, this would not be possible. So don't forget that if you enjoyed this episode, to follow us, like us, or share us. Have a wonderful day.